What kind of fa- Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash River, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're still at Freddy's. We are still at Freddy's. It's been yeah, four weeks now. It has. Four weeks at Freddy's. Fifth one coming up next week. So that means this is the penultimate episode. It's been a long ass October, isn't it? It has. But it's been a pleasure because, as you know, this is our favourite horror franchise. My joint first with Scream. Uh, but... With every franchise, except Scream, and except The Evil Dead. Well, with most franchises, comes a dud. Yes. And last week, we spoke about one of the duds in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. But, you know, there's still enough there to warrant it being a good film, technically. Part 5, Dream Child, it was a disappointment. We came to the conclusion last week... That Dream Child was a disappointment considering the films that had come before. Mm-hmm. This, oh, disappointment's not the word. It is, yeah. <laughs> I don't really understand how they thought that this was going to be the final one, uh, and they thought fans would be okay with it. Uh, this week, we are, of course, talking about Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare from 1991. Thankfully, it wasn't the final nightmare. Um, this film has always baffled me. I've I've always just I've never been able to figure it out. What, why they thought any of this was a good idea? Having watched uh, Never Sleep Again documentary, we've learned that they were sort of going for like a John Waters slash Twin Peaks kind of vibe, which you get in certain scenes, but it's executed so badly throughout the rest of it that it's kind of like, it just, it's lost on it, really. It's a confused film, and we're gonna spend the next however long shitting on it. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. We are. Um, but it's such a weird film that it it still has its fans. Yeah. It does. And I can see what they were going for. But they didn't quite get there. And it's a shame because you say, you know, the Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is my favourite TV show of all time. John Waters. John Waters is my favourite director. This should be made for me. Freddy's yeah. Dead should be my kind of thing. The camp, the silliness that we've come to expect from these sequels now. It is there, but there's a disconnect for me. And it's still entertaining, yeah. but just not for the right reasons. Oh, still the weird thing is, when I again. when I think about this film, I think, is it that bad? Is it is it really that bad? And then I watch it, and I'm like, fuck, it really is. Like when you think about it, it's like this should be a good film. There's, but then in reality, it's like no, it's it's really not. Like is this? I I often think is this misunderstood? And because I really want to like it more than I do, but it's. It's, no, it's just bad. It's just straight up bad. There's a weird nostalgia there, mm. I suppose, that makes me go back and watch it. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, it's hard. It's difficult. Obviously, the blame is on the uh, jump rope girls because they're not in it. So that's that's, that's where I went wrong. Obviously. That's true. Uh, this is... It didn't jump the shark, it jumped the rope. Well, it didn't jump the speaking rope. of jumping the shark, this is New Line Cinema's first film in 3D. <laughs> um, and it's only the last 20 minutes or so that's in 3D. Was 3D in any way impressive in 1991? Had we had that quote I felt not like, sailed? I mean, yeah, it doesn't feel like this is one of the resurgences because obviously... You know, you had your monster movies in 3D back in the 50s and 60s and so on. And then you had your big, big popularity, a free, big popular 3D phase, should I say. I don't know the word for it. A 3D boom of, yeah. of the 80s. You know, yeah. it was popular then. The 90s didn't really seem to have one. I didn't. I remember it obviously, Spike Kids 3D was really popular in the 2000s. And then it was about, you know, 10 years maybe after that that the real D came along and then that was really big but around this time it this just seems really random that this is in 3D but that's what you get you get your red and blue 3D yeah that was so popular you know 50s and then had a resurgence and then you had your real D mm. that's, yeah. that's what yeah. you know where it's not red and blue anymore mm-hmm. you can actually see properly the colours on the yeah. screen with the 3D as well. And that's huge. And that's in some way continued till now. You know, yeah. the, the Marvel films come out of 3D, all that business. Then you get into 4D territory. I didn't think in 1991 it was such a big deal. No. I didn't think... I mean, I, was, I wasn't old enough at the time to understand any of it. But from our knowledge of films around 1991, were any other films doing 3D? I mean, films from making then... making a big deal about it? When you look at stuff like The Lion King, Jurassic Park, Toy Story, uh, Phantom Menace, you know, Terminator 2, all those films were re-released in 3D. Mm. But the real D, 3D, they were never yeah. 3D at the time. No. Um, so... Yeah, this is strange to me. And the sequence is fucking awkward mm. to watch. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that yeah. near the end. Um, this is the only film in the series in which Freddy doesn't kill anyone using his glove, uh, even though he gets killed with the glove himself. Now, this was also the only film in the franchise to be directed by a woman. Yes. Which is great. Which is great. Fantastic. Um, Rachel Talalay, she also did. She also wrote it as well. She also made Tank Girl, Sherlock, Children's Adventures of Sabrina, A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, Ally McBeal, The Supergirl, the TV series, Doom Patrol, Riverdale, The Flash, Doctor Who, so many things. So she did a lot in TV. Um, she also got really sick towards the end of the filming schedule, couldn't delay the production anymore for her recovery. So, according to Sean Greenblatt, uh, Aaron Warner actually directed the last several hours of the film and of this movie, including the final scene between Freddy and John Doe. Honestly, you can't really tell because this film is the exact same throughout. That's one thing I will say. The tone is fucking consistent. The tone just happens to be fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel Talele... Give me if I've 
said that weird. But she had made her way up yeah. through the ranks at New yeah. Line Cinema. Mm-hmm. So she'd started off as an assistant, and then she was a producer on Part 4, a producer on Hairspray, producer on Fry Baby. And this was her saying... I've worked really hard for New Line Cinema. Yeah. I've been a big help in creating New Line Cinema. Please give me an opportunity yeah. to direct, which is fantastic. Fabulous. We love to see it. Unfortunately, she directs a film that kind of goes against what we loved about A Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street. It's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Because if anyone should be able to produce a quintessential Nightmare on Elm Street film that is a fitting end for the Freddy Krueger character, it should be somebody who's been involved in the films from the get-go. Yeah. And it's it's very weird, yeah. I have to say. It is very weird what the film becomes. Um, You know, we, we always say it on the podcast, we love opportunities for women and for minority filmmakers to make a dud. Mm-hmm. So pleased yeah. to see it. <laughs> We're yeah. pleased to see the chances given to people to make duds. <laughs> it it also occurred to me that out of all the big horror franchises, this is the only one. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the only one that's had a female director. Absolutely, any that I that's... that I can genuinely think of off Absolutely the top of my head. Absolutely bizarre. It really is. I would love to see a Friday the Thirteenth film with a female gaze. Yeah. Because we've we've just rewatched through all of them, and let's be honest, if ever a franchise was made entirely through the male gaze, it is Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> the DNA aspect is tits definitely yeah, t- tits and ass. And we love the franchise, but I mean, how cool would it be to have a woman directing it, like, and see it from that perspective? Any horror, really, we're always appreciative of horror yeah. from a female perspective. And if we can see these well-established franchises through a female gaze, then mm-hmm. that makes it even better. This is co-written by Michael DeLuca, who did seven episodes of Freddy's Nightmares, four episodes of Dark Justice, an episode of Star Trek Voyager, uh, In the Mouth of Madness, and Judge Dredd. And was also a producer on Fifty Shades of Grey, Dark City, American History X, The Mask, Blade, Leatherface, Texas Jazz and Mask of Free, Detroit Rock City, and more. There was almost uh, a script here by Peter Jackson. He was originally hired to write the screenplay for this film. So he wrote a draft and it wasn't used. And it involved Freddy aging and growing weak within the dream world, uh, where the teens of Springwood would have drug-fueled slumber parties for kicks and enter the dream world to beat him up. Which is really interesting. Yeah idea um yeah i would have like i would like to see that i would like to yeah because i mean then you know it kind of fits in with the whole freddy by this point being turned into a protagonist rather than an antagonist uh i guess it would have gave that bit of a helping hand really yeah and and i think just going back to michael deluca and his sort of filmography um he you said he wrote for freddy's nightmares yes yeah. Um, that is Freddy's Nightmares, isn't it? Freddy's Nightmares, yeah. From what I've seen, Freddy's Nightmares is a lot cheesier than the yeah. films. This TV, mm-hmm. made-for-TV yeah. energy that that TV series gave off. Mm-hmm. Because it's TV. How many times can I say TV? 
Uh, but you know, you understand. Yeah. You know, that cheesy energy definitely resonates with Freddy's uh-huh. dead also. Um, and another thing that I think this film does wrong is breaking away into a different story with new characters for the last film. Now, this wasn't always the case. Mm. A 16-year-old Jacob Johnson, the son that was born to Alice in the previous film, The Dream Child, was a major character in the original script written for the film by Michael Almereda. Uh, He was originally the film's John Doe character. In this first draft of the film, Alice, now in her 30s, is killed by Freddy. Taryn, Joey and Kincaid from Dream Warriors also return as the Dream Police. In the script, Taryn was the Blade Cop, Joey was the Sound Cop and Kincaid was the Power Cop. So, uh, Rachel Talale, I swear we've said her name different every time, uh, has stated that she greatly disliked the original script and that the replacement script by Michael DeLuca saved the day. Luca also said that he was surprised he wasn't asked to write the screenplay in the first place as he had done a similar last-minute rewrite on The Dream Child. Well, I mean, that's probably a good reason for you not to fucking write a screenplay. <laughs> There's been speculation that although the script wasn't used, the John Doe in this film may still be Jacob. In the original script of Freddy's Dead, Alice was killed and Jacob beta- became the main protagonist. However, this seems unlikely as Freddy's Dead takes place ten years after the events of Part 5, which would make Jacob ten, whilst John is uh, in... American slasher cinema world, uh, 15 to 17. 15 to 17. This is only a theory, however. More evidence to John possibly being Jacob is his belief that he can enter Spencer's dream, an ability that he would have inherited from Alice. So, really interesting. Especially the dream police part. Uh huh. The fact that apparently DeLuca's script saved the day is blows my mind, Baffling. because how is this better than that? Yeah. Like... That would make sense. It's the final Nightmare on Elm Street film. Bring back the Dream Warriors. Even if it's in someone's dream. I mean, that's probably less ridiculous than a lot of what happens in this film. Mm. And yeah, Jacob should have been the main character. It's weird. It was set up. It was right there. It was set up. More than any other franchise that I can think of, Nightmare on Elm Street has the most consistency between the films. Definitely. And to have your... Freddy's Dead, Final Nightmare, your final film. This is meant to end the franchise as far as New Line's concerned. Mm-hmm. This is it. To have that, in many ways, completely ignore what came before... Yeah. ...is baffling. Yeah. Absolutely baffling. I don't get it. No. It feels like an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah. Where Freddy Krueger... Exists in some other sphere, mm-hmm. not related to Nancy, not related to Kristen, not related to Alice. You know where is that? Yeah, nowhere. It's nowhere to be mm-hmm. found, and they've just created this completely random film. And if it was a completely random film, if it wasn't Freddy Krueger, and we had this film with. Someone else, another antagonist, another serial killer. Mm-hmm. It actually maybe could have worked. Maybe. Maybe. But I think maybe. expectations are different. The fact that this is Freddy Krueger makes it different. Mm. And I have expectations. And they, they, they're not fulfilled in that sense. Yeah. 
Uh, it's based on characters by Wes Craven, of course. It's made on a budget of $11 million, and it made $34.8 million at the box office. So again, you know, still doing great. Um, there's a bit of executive meddling, a uh, rare after-the-fact example. When the movie was in uh, US theatres in 1991, it ran 100 minutes, featuring many character moments and introductions. Nagi's foster mother doesn't just randomly show up near the end of the film. However, for whatever reasons, New Line Cinema cut the film down to 88 minutes for all, for all the home video releases, which is all that's been available to this very day. The German version of the film, was cut down from 100-minute version, also featured many of the scenes removed from the home video version. What the fuck's that all about? Mm. Like, what? why would you want to remove scenes? It's had its theatrical release. It's made money. Why would you want to chop a bunch of scenes yeah, for? That's why are you so meddling? stupid. Like, there's a reason it's such a rare thing to happen. Yeah. It's dumb. I don't get it. I, I, I can't even think of an explanation as to why they would do that. Why the meddling? Yeah. Should we talk about who is uh, who tries to give performances in, yeah. <laughs> in a section we like to call, Hey, I know you. First hey. up, we have hey. Lisa Zane. We have Lisa Zane as Maggie Burroughs and, spoiler alert, Catherine Kruger. Um, she was in The Nurse, Monkey Bone, Evil Never Sleeps, Later Days, Table for One, Stolen from the Heart, Her Deadly Rival, Unveiled, Pucker Up, and Bart Like a Dog, and, uh, and more. So, Lisa Zane in this film, what... The fuck was she trying to do? <laughs> yeah, let's let's get it out there. Let's lay it on the table because it. I'm gonna say it a lot. The performances in this film are absolutely atrocious. They really are. Yeah, they're terrible. I don't know what the direction was. I'm not even sure if you can blame the actors. If I feel like with films, if the performances across the board mm-hmm. are really bad, somebody has told the cast to act that way. And I genuinely feel that. I genuinely feel, because I don't think the, and uh, FYI, I'm not including Robert England in this. No. Because I think someone just says to Robert England, do your thing, and he does, and it's great. But I think across the board, the actors have been given some direction that hasn't worked. Because they are really bad. Don't ask, really bad. Don't ask me to explain this, but the acting in this film gives the same energy as Ramona on the runway in Real Housewives of New York. I don't know <laughs> why. I don't know how, but that is the exact energy it gives me. The eyes are popping. The eyes the, are popping. The eyes are popping. It's a sort of like... Cartoonish. It feels like she's not meant to be there. Yeah, like a fish out of water. Really forced. Mm. I can't explain it, but that's exactly what this the acting in this film gives me. Ah, I know, I understand what you mean. It's like people who aren't actors have yeah. been pushed into this film yeah. and told to act. And Especially when the 3D comes into play. Yeah. Fuck, you know. But shockingly, they're all capable actors. Yeah. With accomplishments. They, mm-hmm. they all are. So I understand what you mean. It is like they're... It's like that guy who 
went for an interview with the BBC and yeah. they mistook him for an interviewee uh-huh. and he ends up on the screen uh-huh. being interviewed for something he has knows nothing about. It's that energy. Yeah. It's really weird. Um, but again, as you said, you know, Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger, the star of Stranger Things, Urban Land, you know. We know. He, yeah. Uh, it was all, he's, he's, never, he's never bad in this role. He's he, never failed as Freddy. Yeah. And he's so good. As, as himself out of the makeup as well, you know, he's great. He's great, and mm-hmm. no complaints with Freddie with Robert Englund whatsoever. Um, Leslie Dean as Tracy Swan again, another bizarre performance. Star of Dynasty, Plump Fiction, Midnight Ride, Movie Madness, Almost Pregnant, Girlfriend from Hell, an episode of Freddie's Nightmares, uh, Nine Seven Six Evil, and more. Um. Yeah, she actually got punched in the face by Robert Englund during their fight by accident. Bless her. Um, yeah, again, uh, nothing to say about this until we get into it because it's just bizarre. Yeah. Yefet Koto as Doc, star of fucking Alien, Homicide, Life on the Street, Live and Let Die, Midnight Run, Murder She Wrote, The Running Man, Stiletto Danced, Almost Blue. Stolen Hearts, Friday Foster, The Thomas Crown Affair, so many films. Real prolific actor. Again, he looks like he's, uh, you know, forgive the pun, considering the film, um, sleepwalking throughout the entire film. Yeah. Real capable actor. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. What is he doing here? What What is he doing? What mm. direction has he been given? Yeah. Because, number one, he's barely used in the film, mm-hmm. let's be honest. And number two, whatever scenes he's in, it's weird. It's yeah. weird. It's weird. I don't know how to describe it, but it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> he's a completely different film. Mm-hmm. Everyone is in a different film. Yeah. I don't know which one he's in, yeah. but every everyone seems to be in a completely different film. Yeah. Someone who um, isn't awful because he plays a stereotype is Brecken Meyer as Spencer Lewis. Yeah. Star of Clueless, Rat Race, uh, Road Trip, The Craft, Josie and the Pussycats, Escape from LA, Garfield, The Insider, Robot Chicken, Unpregnant, 54, Go, and more. Yeah, he just he's a stone of stereotype, so he does everything he needs to do and there's really nothing more he can do. So by that, you know, it's fine. Yeah, um, Brecken Meyer. I've always kind of liked his energy in films. Mm. Um, it is a weird one in this one because he's a stereotype. I mean, it's fine. He would do pretty much the same character much better in Clueless. Yeah, so he didn't get killed. His death scenes also. Yeah, but we'll get into that. Um, Ricky Dean Logan, the guy who gets the biggest standout scene of the film. Uh, plays Carlos Rodriguez, and he was in Back to the Future Parts 2 and 3, Red Rooms, Psychotherapy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, ni- the 90s Fantastic Four movie, Psycho Ooh. Sushi, Straight Jacket, and more. Yes, that is Straight Jacket, as in the gay Straight Jacket film. Oh, wow. Um, He was also in Baywatch, Forbidden Paradise. Oh, well, he was originally cast as John Doe, um, but the role of Carlos speak to him, spoke to him more. And uh, that was the one for which he lobbied. There we go. 
<laughs> between a rock and a hard yeah. place, really. Is there anyone else you want to mention? Um, not really. Well, there's a few cameos that we'll obviously get into from famous people. Um, but yeah, no. Other than that, no one really. Uh, Sean Greenblatt as John Doe. Yeah, was that the in any film? Yeah, it was in Newsies. Uh, just an interesting one from him. Um, I'm just showing Gary the uh, post now. Oh, lovely. Anyone with access to Letterboxd, go have a search for There Goes My Baby. It looks very homoerotic. Yes. Uh, but yeah, no, other than that. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about our feature presentation. Welcome to a brand new nightmare. A psychedelic nightmare. Let's trip out. A 3D nightmare. I'm not fooled by this thing you saw. The final nightmare. Freddy's dead. The final nightmare. They saved the best for last. Rated R. Starts Friday, September 13th at a theater near you. So we start with the absolute bang. Now, I'm not a Goo Goo Dolls fan, but... I will say the absolute banger that is I'm Awake Now by the Goo Goo Dolls. I like it. I didn't realise Goo Goo Dolls had so many songs. <laughs> but they had one, wasn't it? Iris. Girl, the world, see me. <laughs> Girl. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Creed. <laughs> yeah. A bit, a bit more um, wherever you will go, the calling, a bit more like that, <laughs> aren't they? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Basic otherwise, but I, I really like I'm Awake Now. I think it's a great song and really uh, gets you in the mood for a much better film. Um, we get Do You Know the Terror of He Who Falls Asleep <gasps> to the every toes he is terrified because the ground gives way underneath him and the dream begins. Quote from Frederick Nietzsche. Yeah. Uh, and that's followed by <laughs> Welcome to Prime Time. Bitch. Well done, Gary. Um, a little behind the scenes tidbit. Gary was a little nervous about pronouncing that, well, but I thought that. you did very well. Congratulations. <laughs> Well, if you don't celebrate your achievements, no one else is going to. Well, speaking of achievements... Achievements? Yeah, we get Welcome to Primetime, Bitch, one of Robert Englund's biggest achievements. Oh, yeah. We're quoting a film's character within the film. Um, Yeah. It works. works. We all make choices, and that's the choice that was made, and some people probably hate it. I thought it was all right. We get a uh, Escape from New York style graphic with a map and text over it. It says Springwood, Ohio. Ten years from now. Mysterious killings and suicides wipe out entire population of children and teenagers. Remaining adults are experiencing mass psychosis. There's, there is new evidence of one surviving teenager. So the idea of this film is Springwood's been wiped out. There's only one kid left. The rest are all delusional adults who uh, are all fucked up from what's gone on there. Yeah, 10 years from now would be 2001. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So certainly not 2001. Certainly not 2001. Still, it's very 1991. Yeah. It's, it feels like there's still a bit of uh, 80s fallout there. With, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's still the haircuts and everything. But it is virgin on 90s as well. So. It's it's Gen X. Yeah. Very, very Gen X. So the only surviving teenager, John Doe, is on a plane and getting nervous because of the turbulence. A little girl tells him that Freddy's going to make him help him because he's the last. 
Um, and he says to the woman next to him, I'm afraid of heights. And she's like, don't be a pussy. Yeah, she's an older woman next to him. Um, originally meant to be played by Divine. Yeah, which is good because that would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. And this film would have gotten an extra star from me. Yeah. Um, yeah, real shame. Obviously, Divine um, unfortunately passed away quite young. 1988, I believe. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, so the woman and John are both ejected from the plane and John wakes up in his bed. He realises he's still asleep when his bed is falling from the sky and Freddy appears outside of his window on a broom and wearing a witch's hat and cape and says, I'll get you, my Freddy, and your little soul too. Um, okay. I need to address this. This, (laughs) this... People hate this. Yeah. People absolutely hate it. I as a friend of Dorothy, don't mind a Wizard of Oz reference. No. Love Wizard of Oz, one of my absolute favourite films. It'll always get a, a smile out of me, any reference. A Nightmare on Elm Street in 1991, <laughs> referencing the Wizard of Oz, the 1939 film, like... Yeah, okay, it's I a mean, stretch. It may be a 1939 film, but it is stood the test of time, and it's... Always referenced, like even to this day. It, I don't mind this. I really don't. I think it's really camp. I think there's never a wrong time for a Wizard of Oz reference. It's well, lucky for you, we get another later on. Well, yeah. Um, for me though, this it's too cartoonish. It is, and that's the whole film. Yeah, the entire film is too cartoonish. It might be, it might as well be a Looney Tunes. Yeah, you know, Bugs Bunny would do this reference. The Looney Tunes would do this reference. You would get fucking Daffy Duck having a meltdown and Bugs Bunny coming out the window dressed as the Wicked Witch. Yeah, it's strange because obviously the last one, you know, it had a bit of a darker tone to it, the Dream Child. It still had your Freddy jokes in there and his quips and whatever. Um, But it took a darker turn. And even, you know, your films like Dream Master, Dream Warriors... Very much horror comedies, but there's still that darker side to them. This has a handful of those type of scenes, but it's predominantly just this whole cartoony thing. It feels like, you know, aside from a few scenes, this could be made for kids. Yeah, absolutely. Because Freddy's makeup... Now, this is my biggest issue with this film, is Freddy's makeup does not look anywhere near as good as it did in the previous films. Mm. It looks quickly thrown on. It looks really toned down. And it's just like, yeah, it just looks like a family-friendly version, which is weird to say for a, a burn victim, but there's something... It just looks plasticky, and I think the special effects are good in the film, but this, his makeup just feels half ass. you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's, it's my least favourite Freddy makeup out of all of the films. I feel like this... Could have been a Saturday morning cartoon yeah. episode. So taking the Freddy's Nightmares one step further and yeah. having a cartoon mm-hmm. based on Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Number one, I think actually would have really worked. Yeah. Um, obviously keeping it quite adult orientated, mm-hmm. I think that really would have been great. But in the context of a live action film, it doesn't work. No. Kind of stupid. It is and I think stupid. that's my problem. And I'm going to say the word a lot. A lot of the choices made in making this film feel really stupid. 
Well, we're about to get a whole bunch of stupid of these next few scenes. Yeah. So the house lands on Elm Street, and John goes for a walk before randomly falling down a big hill for a while. He takes a real long ass tumble with really stupid noise, like whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. it's like just constant. Like, okay, and we're still getting the opening credits at this point. And then, as if things couldn't get him any more stupid, he spots Bob Shea. That's the end of the sentence. No, he um he goes to um a little pop up bus station, and gets given a bus ticket by Bob Shea, who's really going for it here with his acting. He he thinks this is his big moment. Like he's wearing the Freddy glove, uh, he's like doing an evil laugh at him. It's fucking cringe. Um, he's probably well. I mean, okay, um, the next film is real Bob Shea's moment to act. <laughs> It is, but as himself, so I don't know how much that, as that, how much that counts. It's, I mean, the next film's his best performance yet. Um, no. No, a, random... SM bar? Bartender in okay. an SM bar. That's um, my favourite. Yeah, this this whole scene is just... So Bob Shea, shut the fuck up. Sit down. Get off camera. Um, the bus arrives with Freddy driving it. Ooh. He hits John, and John stays attached to the bus um, before Freddy slams the brakes... And sends him into what looks like another... I've always thought this is another dimension. Uh, but it's actually him waking up. Uh, and it leaves a cartoon-style shape behind. Yes. And he's like, now be a good little doggy and go fetch. Yeah. Um, This might be a bit of a, a, a deep cut or a niche reference. But there is an absolutely hilarious mad TV sketch mm-hmm. based on the Desperate Housewives. And in it, Susan, mm-hmm. the Terry Hatcher character, within Desperate Housewives, she's known as falling on her ass. Yeah. She's always getting into capers. And it really takes it full throttle with this mad TV parody of the series. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And at, at every film, she's falling over, she's tumbling, she cannot keep on her feet. This is what that felt like. Yeah. It felt like I was watching that Mad TV parody mm-hmm. where he was like, whoa, oh no, oh, oh, help me, oh, oh. And stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and this is like, at this point, we're meant to believe this is going to be our lead character in the film. And, oh, you big silly, what you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, gone are the days shapes, Nancy oh. Thompson. I know, yeah. Um, he wakes up just outside of the Springwood city limits whilst Hold Me Down by Johnny Law plays. <laughs> city limits. Love that song. But due to a head injury, he doesn't remember who he is or why he's there. And it's at this point where you're like, well, I wish we had the same problem. Um, yeah. At a shelter for troubled youth, three of the residents, Spencer Lewis, an affluent stoner, who's resisting his dad's uh, attempts to get him to conform... Oh, it's on theme, on brand. For oh, they take to another level in this one. Yeah, their parents are fucking awful in this. But they slap you around the face. Yeah, with this it. has no subtlety. Yeah. Carlos Rodriguez, a troubled kid who was physically abused by his mother to the point of becoming deaf in one ear, and Tracy Swan, a tough girl who was sexually abused by her father. Uh, they're all plotting to run away to California. We're introduced to them. They're in a gym. And uh, after, after I mean, obviously, after Spencer's getting in trouble, stereotypical kid shit. And um, Carlos and Tracy in the gym, having a kick about with, yeah. with each other. Um, 
on each other. Yeah, not like football. Like they beat each other. Um, and she and he sparring, sparring, sparring is the word you're looking. He's like, oh, you know, you're sexy when you sweat. She's like, you ain't getting them, Carlos. You ain't getting them. (laughs) (laughs) The acting, the delivery is crazy. It is. Is it's. It's an awkward film. It's just an awkward <laughs> film. I can't even find the words for it. It's just... It's so awkward. It's, you ain't getting none, Carlos. You ain't getting none. It's so awkward. And I appreciate them trying to do child abuse as an actual social commentary in this. I think the right intentions were there. But the way it's executed isn't so great. It's not... an probably heard me say this a thousand times now but it's not dealt with properly i don't feel it feels like a plot point yeah and just a way of getting us on to tracy's side yeah and the films as a whole you've heard us say it many times throughout october the films themselves a nightmare on elm street as a whole deals with parent child relationships mm-hmm. the whole thing he, every one of the films yeah. references it i feel like in this case it slaps it doesn't slap you around the face with it it slaps you around the face with a frying pan yeah because it's so cartoonish and so silly yeah and then you have this very serious storyline about tracy's abuse i mean that can never be properly dealt with no because everything around it is so farcical. But that's the thing. I mean, there's Carlos's abuse as well. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, that would be even worse because it's literally just, what, in one scene? Yeah. And used yeah. against them to scare him in his dreams, you know? It's like... But in a cartoonish like fashion. Yeah, it's like, why bother including it if you're not going to deal with it properly? And, you know, I I fully believe there is a balance out there where you can do a serious nightmare film that deals with these sort of things while still having the fun side to it I mean the whole thing is Freddy Krueger is a child abuser you know that's the character yeah that's the character that's flying around on witches brooms making Wizard of Oz references yeah Um, you know and I think it's easy to forget that a lot of the time so I think it's fine to have it serious but not to the point of the remake serious where it's just depressing yeah so yeah i mean i think there's a fine line between the remake and between this where they could come together and make something good out of this but in this film it's, it's not the one no because then you have it's a jarring change of tone mm. because you have spencer who's oh my rich daddy doesn't understand yeah. me i want to be a stoner and he wants me to follow in his footsteps which is legit, you know, which is very Gen X. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it before in the franchise. But compared to Carlos and Tracy, yeah, it's like, get over yourself, mate. Yeah. These two have gone through physical abuse. Yeah. And you're having a whinge because your dad wants you to put on a suit and get to, you know, business. Well, yeah, I mean, he in his exact words, uh, he doesn't want to be like his dad and doesn't want to date rate co-eds and uh, play football. Yeah, which is a stupid line. Yeah. It is a very silly line. Um, But again, you know, something that could have been dealt with had it been explored a little more. 
Absolutely. The police find John and take him to the shelter where he becomes a patient of Dr. Maggie Burroughs. Before John arrives, Maggie has a chat with therapist Doc. Uh, yeah, he's, all he gets is Doc. Doc, that's, that's, his, that's his, his name. name. <laughs> As in, what's up, Doc? Yeah. Who <laughs> tells her that Tracy requires dream therapy, not conventional therapy. They both have a look at an Emerson County Museum poster he has in his office with snake-looking sculptures on it. And he explains that they are ancient dream demons. Supposedly, they roam the dreams of the living till they find the most evil, twisted human imaginable. They give him the power to cross the line from our dreams into reality. Heads up, we didn't need to know this shit. Like, obviously, you know where that's going. And we didn't need to know why Freddy could haunt people in their dreams. Who gives a shit? Like, that's not what people come to this franchise for. They don't want that sort of backstory. We don't need the backstory. We also don't need the backstory at the last hurdle. No. This is Freddy's dead. <laughs> we did. I don't, I, I don't care. I didn't care throughout the five previous films. No. And I certainly don't care now. Um, do you know what made this film so much better? What? If, number one, they hadn't killed off Nancy Thompson in part three. Yeah. And if Maggie Burroughs was Nancy Thompson. Mm-hmm. And you ignored the whole, spoiler alert, guys... Maggie Burroughs being um, Freddy Krueger's daughter. You mm. completely ignored that, and you had, you know, I mean, actually, to be fair, though, you're just ripping off Dream Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> they should have just remade Dream uh-huh. Warriors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maggie notices a newspaper clipping from Springwood in John's pocket, which causes her to fall asleep and dream about a little girl running around a garden with her dad. Now, I mean... This kind of makes it obvious early on what the big twist is. Yeah. Like, very, very early on. I, I mean... I didn't think this was a twist. Yeah, I think it was meant to be a twist. Like, I think... And then again, I suppose she's included in the marketing, referring to him as her dad. Because I kind of feel like... So, in this flashback, you have very clearly Robert England's voice yeah. saying, come to daddy, mm. to a young girl. Yeah. This is the young girl from the plane earlier mm-hmm. that spoke to John Doe. So all the advertising has Lisa Zane very prominent, yeah. as far as I'm con- I've seen. You know, the whole idea is that Freddy's child is going to be the one that eventually kills him, blah, 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 blah. So I don't know why, number one, we don't just see Robert England's face in this mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. And number two, why the whole John Doe character yeah. not being Freddy's child yeah. is such a big surprise. I'm also confused by the fact that these flashbacks appear to take place in like the 50s, 60s. Yeah. It's giving Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, I mean, let's take in mind, it was meant to be when, you know, all this happened when Nancy was young. Yeah. Um, so. And this is 2001. Yeah. So, I mean, by this point, <laughs> Lisa's age would be like in her 50s. Yeah. This is the confusing <laughs> part. Why are the flashbacks looking like they're from a Douglas Sirk film? Yeah. When this is set in 2001 and... Lisa Zane, I believe, would have been around 30 at that time. So really, what you're looking at is, it should really look like the 70s. Yeah. 
But then that also would mean that the whole John Doe red herring thing really wouldn't work <laughs> because yeah. they're not, they're too far apart. I don't, I don't actually think they were that far apart in age in real life, no. but in the film, Lisa Sane doesn't look too far <laughs> apart in age from no, Robert Englund. Um, but I mean, John Doe character. Mm-hmm. So he's meant to be what? 17. Yeah. It, it, it confuses me. It confused me. It's almost like they didn't think about it. Yeah, and it, it is. And it, it's laziness on their part. Just like, oh, we'll just make it look like blue velvet. And yeah. People will just buy into it. And it's fine. Which is okay, you know. But we are... We are the generation of cinematic sins, aren't we? Where well, we, franchises seem to love doing this. We do I like mean... to point out these little bits. Because it takes you away from the film. Franchises love doing stuff like this. I mean, look at Jason Takes Manhattan, something similar there. Oh, Lord. Look at Texas Chainsaw 3D. I think, ultimately, with these franchises... Please do not talk to me about Texas Chainsaw 3D. Uh, uh, I could be here for five hours talking about this. Oh, wasn't that? Um, I think, ultimately, with these franchises, they never know if a, ne- a film's going to happen. No. They never know if they're ever going to get a next film. So they write themselves into some sort of loop, into some sort yeah. of hole. There's never a master plan from beginning to end. And I think that's why things get confused. Why films ignore other films. They could have solved it. They could have literally just brought back Alice and her son. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. John sings a song about beer bottles on a wall to keep himself awake and uh, someone else in the room is like, I'll break a beer bottle over your head if you don't shut the fuck up. Yeah, I don't know why he's doing I don't feel like singing the bottles of beer on a wall song is going to keep you awake. Well, it doesn't because he falls asleep and he ends up in a rundown house and then a padded cell where he's in a straitjacket and he's like, free me, you idiot. I'm your fucking memory. <laughs> Um, and then he wakes up while sleepwalking and knocks a security guard out of a window, <laughs> looking off a first a ground floor window. Ground floor. So it doesn't kill him. Um, the pre me you idiot I'm your memories. Um, why? I mean, why he's not Freddy's son? So what's this there for? It's a continue this red herring. I'm assuming that John Doe is in fact the last of the Elm Street children, though. If he was Jacob. If that's who he was meant to be, Jacob from part five, then yeah, that makes sense. Was so, Alice an Elm Street child? I mean, technically. Does his da- technically, does she... dad? Maybe. Kill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, either way, she is the character that Freddie would be going after. Yeah. You know, and technically, Jacob is really Freddie's kid. If you look at it in. God. I mean, oh, no. yeah, after that car true, crash, yeah. she sends that thing into her and then she's pregnant. So, yeah. I mean, it would make sense that he'd be going after him. It's gotten confused. But that's the thing. I feel like they've left elements in from that script where it was him. Yeah. And now it's kind of like, well, okay, why is this still in here? It's yeah. not him. Yeah, because what was created in the first film, the law, which is the idea that he is getting revenge mm. on the adults who set him alight yeah. by killing their children in their sleep. Very simple. Yeah. 
And then that's kind of continued in part two. And I do think it gets a little confused by part five. Yeah. So I'm not giving this film any credit, but it's still murky by that point. Mm -hmm. So whatever they're going from, but it says at the beginning, the whole well, Freddy goes... screen says the last of the Elm Street yeah. children. Now that wouldn't be Lisa Zane, would it? No. That... Well, Freddy goes after Alice because he wants new victims. Yeah. And he uses Kristen to get to her. Mm-hmm. And then it opens up a whole load of new victims for her. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, he just becomes a killer. Yeah. Not, it's not revenge anymore. So it's not just about the yeah. Elm, Elm Street children. No. So maybe he didn't... Because this would... He would have been a lot older. Yeah. Let's be fair. In 2001... He wouldn't be 17 if no. he was one of the Elm Street uh-huh. children. So I think... Was it Elm Street children? No, Springwood children. It's Elm Street. They use the words... If they said Springwood children, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, that's true. It makes oh, sense. God. But he uses the word Elm Street. So maybe just people who moved there. Anyone who else give, got a headache? A anyway, <laughs> John and Maggie chat and they realise they're dreaming about the same little girl. And uh, Maggie tells Doc about this, and he starts making connections. So she goes to him. Yeah. She's like, I want to talk about these dreams, what the fuck's going on, this is what's happening to me and this weirdo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he starts helping, she's like, oh, why does everyone just want to talk about dreams around here? Because you just went to him and fucking asked. It's true. Like, this is all on you. To attend and it's to... kind of her job yeah. to help these people. If, if everyone wants to talk about dreams, then you listen to them talk about dreams. You get your little bottle of Hypnosil, yeah, and you start giving it out and listening to them talk about dreams. To attempt to cure John's amnesia, she plans a road trip to Springwood. In an attempt to run away, Tracy, Carlos and Spencer stow away in the van, but they are discovered when John has an hallucination and almost wrecks the van just outside of Springwood. Yeah, so in Springwood, they notice there are no children around, just adults looking very solemn around a fairground. We're introduced to Roseanne Barr, boo, and her, at the time, real-life husband, Tom Arnold, and she tries to adopt them. (laughs) She does. And uh, Tom Arnold reminds her that teenagers attract Freddy, and that's why there aren't any teenagers or children. Yeah, and Spencer's like, oh, we're in Twin Peaks here. Yeah. Um, fun fact, that's how I discovered Twin Peaks. <laughs> Shut up. It oh, is. Oh, no. It is. God bless you. I was like, okay, what, what's Twin Peaks? Life oh, was wow. changed. Something good came Something out of it, came from it, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had the weirdest idea of what Twin Peaks was, considering I thought it was all like in a little town fair. Um, after this reference, I well, I discovered David Lynch via Friends. When is is that episode where Isabella Rossellini, um, well Ross tries to sleep with her, so it's Blue Velvet, great film. And I'm like, oh, it's Blue Velvet. <laughs> then I watched it. I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. There we go. There we go. I, I mean, you know, stories. from tiny acorns grow. Great Oaks, or whatever the phrase is. Oh, people are going to be so disappointed with their stories. <laughs> How did you discover David Lynch? <laughs> Maggie sends Tracy, Spencer and Carlos away in the van, which leaves the question as to how she and John are going to get back. Exactly. 
Um, <laughs> exactly. I literally have. Maggie sends them back to the shelter in the van, which begs the question, how the fuck are her and John meant to get back? <laughs> Luckily for her, it's not an issue. Yeah. I, she, all, this character is awful. Awful. Like, seriously. Honestly, I would have preferred if both of them were killed off early on mm-hmm. um, rather than just him, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, the three teenagers attempt to leave Springwood, but they uh, end up going around in circles. Carlos falls asleep and opens his map to see you're fucked written on it. To which Tracy wakes him up and she's like, Carlos, I asked you for the map. And he says, yeah, well, the map says we're fucked. Which is funny. I like I like a pun. I like a silly pun. I liked how the map was opening and he, yeah. he got sort of stuck within the map. I like these little moments. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I'm not actually dead set against them. Yeah. Yeah, because it's leading up to the kills. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. It, it you're fucked on a map. That's funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah, make the most of it. Yeah. Don't, don't get used to it. And it, it would have been great in a little cartoon version, a little animated Nightmare on Elm Street film with the fucking Scooby Doo. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Shaggy trying to open up the map and it says you're fucked. Amazing. Would have loved that. Well, John and Maggie visit the Springwood school and discover that Freddie had a child. Now, when I say this leads to a bizarre series of events, I'm, I'm not kidding. The teacher in the school, his eyes are popping. Welcome to Freddie 101. 1493. Freddy sailed across the sea. No, he fucking didn't. didn't. What are you fucking it's talking about? Sense. What are you talking about? Because you think, oh, okay, he's uh, he's he's a madman. He's you know they're all got a bit weird in this town, um, and that's what's going on. But he spits some truth as well. Does he? He does because he's like nineteen sixty four. A child was born that was taken away from it, and that's how they find out. Oh. So John believes that he's the child that Freddie allowed allowed to live. So he thinks he was born in 1964. Fucking moron. Somehow they believe this teacher and everything, but he's telling the truth. Oh, so he's there okay. like 1493. What 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 the fuck is this? Freddie was a human being. He isn't a time traveller. He isn't a fucking demon centuries old. He was a human being burnt alive. But it's... I don't get this whole Springwood thing. And it's one that happens afterwards as well. I don't get what these are meant to do. Apart from show a really... Like a cheap way of revealing... It's just cheap exposition. Yeah. And I don't get it. Freddy 101. I just... I find it really cringe. Mm, It is. Yeah, and then he's like, 1,494. Freddy come back to look for more. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He was not around in the 1,400s. What the fuck? And he's not acknowledging their presence. No. So, and then you're like, why are they invisible? I, I don't, it's confusing. Yeah. It's silly. I, I don't But it's get... going for Twin Peaks. It's going for Twin Peaks. And, you know, that's great. But it's dumb. Like, it's... It just doesn't work. No. But even Twin Peaks wasn't that out there. In the first series. Twin Peaks is weird. The Twin Peaks is weird, but not this wacky. Wacky is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. 
I never thought Twin Peaks was wacky um, during the first season. During the first season. It went no. a little wacky during the second. And I like wacky. Yeah. Tracy, Spencer and Carlos stopped to rest at the abandoned 1428 Elm Street house. You know, oh, Freddy's house. house. Freddy's house. Which caused it to transform into the abandoned looking version of the house from everyone's dreams. Oh. And that's a cool visual. You know, the blood coming down the door and it breaking down at the top and just turning into that house, like the one that Kristen made. It's like, it, it, that's great. Mm. Uh, Carlos falls asleep, and this is by far the best scene in the film. He dreams he's in an alleyway with his mother. She takes a big cotton bud, transforms into Freddy, and shoves it through one ear, leading to it coming out the other side, and it's fucking disgusting. It is. This is like, again, jarring tone change. Like yeah. You get whiplash with this tone change. It's out of nowhere. Because everything else is so cartoony. It's like, fuck, that is a nasty way to go. So, But that isn't even it. He cuts off Carlos's hearing aid and sends him to the boiler room. Where he starts shouting him and jumping around behind him. More cartoony stuff, even in this scene. Um, kind of funny in a, in a Freddy way. Um, we can't hear anything. Sound design is fantastic mm. in this sequence. It's really well shot as well. Um, Freddy gives him his hearing aid back, but it mutates his he- ear and makes him extremely sensitive to the smallest noise. S- Freddy starts dropping nails onto the floor before getting a chalkboard and scratching his claws against it until Carlos's fucking head explodes. Yeah. And he says, nice hearing from you, Carlos. <laughs> and Robert Englund has said it's his favourite kill in any of the Nightmare on Street films. I'd say it's in my top five. It is. It is. It's really cool. Everyone loves the head exploding. It's using Carlos's trauma against him. Yeah. Um, Which in any other film with a different tone would be scary. Yeah. Yeah. If, if it wasn't... I, I, I wish that some of the cartoonish moments were toned down a little bit um and it was maybe a little more serious Mm. considering where the trauma has come from but the idea of him shoving we've all and i know we're we're not meant to but we've all put a cotton wool bird or a Mm. q-tip a little too far in our ear we can all relate to that i love death scenes in films that are either really over the top or kind of relatable like you could be, oh, yeah. You know, it's a pain that we can all relate to. I do really like them, and the idea, we've all done that, gone a bit too far, and like, ow, my ear hurts. You know, I really like that. When he has the super sensitive hearing, and he's like, oh, Chris, get a life, touch grass. But when he has the super sensitive hearing, it annoyed me because he was shouting. <laughs> So if he has super sensitive hearing and then he's shouting, no, no, like he's going to make his own head explode. It just kind of annoyed me. Okay, Chris. Yeah. Get alive. Get alive. Touch, Touch grass. grass. I know. I know. <laughs> this is the first, actually the first scene I watched from this film because um, when I was younger and I watched these films religiously, I could only watch one to five. That was all that was included. It was such a weird box set. because It had one to five in it and it had... In the inside of the box set, it had pictures of New Nightmare, which wasn't oh. included in the box set. It's mm. so strange. Uh, and I had to wait a few years before I could watch this. And I watched, uh, so I was watching some clips on YouTube. And this is the only clip I'd seen from this film. I thought, 
oh my god, this is going to be really fucking scary, this one. And years on the line, managed to finally watch it and was very disappointed. Because mm. the rest of this film did not live up to this one scene. Mm. Um, things get a little silly, but not too far away from the Wizard Master and Phantom Prowler. Let's be honest. That's, yeah. Yeah. Spencer smokes some weed and falls asleep in front of a broken TV where he sees Carlos warning him to stay awake. But before that can continue, John and Maggie visit the Springwood Orphanage where the lady working there is singing Skip to the Loo. Um, 10 out of 10 performance. A very camp lady, a very camp woman yeah. is singing Skip to my Loo. She remembers them. She does. Uh, well, she remembers one of them. It's never clear which one she's pointing at. Again, doesn't fucking matter. We've all seen the trailer. If in nineteen ninety one, I assume you have. If you've seen the trailer, it's fine. It doesn't matter. We know who the final showdown is with yeah. Freddy. Yeah. Um, and you know we're told, <laughs> we're told when to put the three D glasses on and which character puts them on. It's fine. We know who who the kid is. Mm-hmm. But this whole red herring thing continues for no reason. And uh, she's, they're like, do you remember the uh, Kruger child? And I can't, she's like, I can't give you confident, confidential information about our children. They find a picture of Kay Kruger, Freddie, and the kid's mother. And John has such main character syndrome. He's so annoying. He's like, yeah, it's me. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That is. Yeah, that's me. I'm the kid. I'm the kid. Yeah, it's me. Like, oh my gosh, shut the fuck up. We all know it's not. But he is so self-obsessed. But he thinks that's why, um, I was going to say Robert England then. <laughs> That's why Freddie kept him alive. Um, skip to my loo. Can we just go back a little bit? Yeah. Skip to my loo. I always thought it was about a toilet. Yeah. Skip to my loo. It's not. It's no? skip to my loo. L O U. It's like a nursery rhyme. I was very confused, and so I, I did a little Google because I was like, "Oh, camp woman singing skip to my loo. What does this actually mean?" <laughs> And I'm still not sure who Lou is. Louis Walsh. Louise, Louisiana? Well... Because when I was like, two, two... Skip to my Lou. Okay. I mean, in the UK, I've always known it's just be the toilet. <laughs> I just thought skip to my Lou. Like, I'm going... I'm off to the bog. Yeah. Skip to my Lou. If anybody knows out there what it's about... Please it's... don't tell us. <laughs> I, I like the history of shit like that. I find it very interesting. Do you not? Yeah, but... Like, like the history of... I mean, everyone knows it now, but... Um, what's Ring Around a Rosie about it being the plague. Scottish Parable. The Scottish Parable of the uh, <laughs> lamplighter. You know I love shit like that. Back at the house, Spencer watches none other than the uh, controversial figure that is Johnny Depp. Oh, good gracious. I forgot about this. Um, Doing an anti-drugs commercial. Now, in 1991, that's funny because Johnny Depp got big through Nightmare on Elm Street. That's great. <laughs> so Through drugs. <laughs> so he's like, this is your brain on drugs. With an egg in a frying pan. You know, it's a take on the anti-drugs PSAs. Uh, it's like, any questions? Freddie hits him in the face with the frying pan. He's like, yeah, what are you on? Looks like a fried pan with some eggs to me. Hey, Spence, let's trip out. And In a Gala de Vida by Iron Butterfly starts playing as Freddy is given a psychedelic background on the TV and Spencer is sucked into the TV. 
I think it's quite funny. It I mean, is really cartoonish. It's Freddy. It's that's you know, yeah. it's very Freddy. He puts Spencer in a video game. This is when it gets really ridiculous. Freddy's playing a video game. With yeah. his feet up mm-hmm. on a desk. Yeah. In an office somewhere. Yeah. And he turns into his father in the game and starts beating him up. He's like, be like me, be like me, be like me. And Freddy's like, now I'm playing with power. Spencer eats some fruit and powers up. And he's like, super Spencer. And Freddy's like, great graphics. Honestly. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, again, though, you know, you'd have seen something like this in Dream Warriors and even the Dream Child. So it's difficult to be completely mad at this. But it, I think it is boring. It, it's really jumping the shark now. It, and But that's okay. This is what's so difficult about it. It's just, it's stupid, but it's almost too stupid. This is the problem with the film. And I think it's, it, this is the best example. Is that this scene is really fucking stupid. It's really stupid. It goes against everything that I loved about the original film. Yeah. About A Nightmare on Elm Street. Regardless of how much I enjoyed or didn't enjoy the sequels. It really goes against what we all loved about the 1984 Wes Craven film A Nightmare on Elm Street. It's silly. It's stupid. It's not scary. No. And therefore, I don't like it. But... The other part of me, who loves camp mm. and silliness, is fully entertained. Yeah. But I know it's not good. Yeah. And I know the f- this film as a whole is not good. Yeah. Because there's also really boring parts as well. But this really stands out. And I'm, I'm entertained. Yeah. I am entertained. It's very, very 1991. The whole, now I'm playing with power Nintendo thing very much in keeping with the references that I enjoy. Yeah. But ultimately it's like, it's dumb. Well, the thing it's that really ruins dumb. it for me, the thing that ruins it for me that borders into too stupid is when, um, they get to the house and Spencer is spinning. He's hopping yeah. around the house. Like he's in the Looney Tunes cartoon. And it's got the sound effects with it. And for me, that's just too stupid. I, it is. It's like cut it off. There's, there's a certain cut-off level. As it is, him being inside a video game is over the top. Yeah. You know? The Wizard Master is over the top. Freddy on a beach with sunglasses, it's over the top. But there's this cut-off point. And yeah. where it still remains, you are still watching a horror film. And this is just this evil guy making the use of someone's dreams to torture them Mm. and eventually murder them. But having seen him, because this whole thing, like in the other films, you don't see it as much people when they're asleep, what they're doing whilst Freddy's attacking them. We didn't need to see this. And Tracy and John, you know, they turn some sort of slapstick duo where he's like, Oh, come on, hit me. It's like, Oh, well, I don't want to hit you. Oh, I'll hit you. Oh, oh, I could have just fell asleep like this. Oh, no. Just what are you doing? Stop. Stop. It's just stupid. They both fall asleep so they could save him. Tracy kicks the controller out of Freddy's hands. But he starts using his power glove instead. And kills Spencer. 
It's like, what do you know? I beat my high score. Um, yeah, they were told they weren't allowed to use the power mm. glove, or Nintendo would take issue with them. Bob Shea decided to do it anyway. Yeah. Rachel Talele really wanted it in, so they did. And she did say on the documentary that the sales of the power glove went up Duh. after the film came out. But from what I remember the power glove didn't sell that well anyway what a a stupid device that's awful like what a stupid idea (laughs) i really i would i would love to give it a go i would love to give it a go but really yeah incredibly stupid really inconvenient as well very inconvenient tracy does some flips and tricks and uh confronts freddy she's almost killed but Maggie wakes her up. John, on the other end, is still asleep and starts dreaming of being in bed again. First, the house zooms out of Earth. John wakes up again. He realises he's still asleep and he's still in the house when his bed sets on fire and he jumps out of the window whilst the house is still in the air. His T-shirt turns into a parachute. Again, crosses that line and it's too stupid. Mm. Like, because it's not... Paid for horror. It's like, it's just, it's just fucking dumb. Do you know what it's like? The mask. Yeah, it's that's exactly definitely, what it's, it's like. definitely yeah. like the mask. Yeah, which is a great film. Love the mask. Yeah, but it doesn't work with a child no. molester and killer. Yeah, at the forefront. No, it doesn't work. Maggie and Tracy take John back to the shelter. Um, before killing John, Kruger. Reveals that John isn't his son. <gasps> oh, what a shock. And he reveals his child is a girl. Well, Maggie says um, to Kruger, You ain't my father. <laughs> and he goes, Yes, I am. If only. Freddy cuts off the parachute and uh, in, on the ground, he pushes some spikes out underneath John. And for a moment, he breaks the fourth wall and is out of breath, just looking at the audience. Like uh, Wiley Coyote. Yeah. 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 John falls onto the spikes, and as he dies, he tells Maggie that Freddy had a daughter, not a son. <gasps> um, yeah. I, I don't care about John. No, so I, I don't. And then the, it's it's. Silly. I think him dying is meant to be a twist in itself. Like, yeah. Oh my god, good. I'm John dies. The guy we didn't really care about, yeah. and it, we don't. It it's never really explained who the hell he was anyway. By the end of the film, the biggest problem with this, and I know I keep saying it, but I actually I actually think this is the biggest problem. The more mm. we discuss it and go through it, the biggest problem with this film is the fact that now John is dead. We have no more kills. Yeah. The only... There are three death scenes Mm -hmm. in this film. Yeah. Carlos, um, Spencer, and John. And that's it. Which is one of the weakest things about The Dream Child. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're a slasher film. Why do you have a low body count? Exactly. Like, you know, Friday the 13th gets to the point where they're just throwing in random people for just a few seconds, just so there can be more kills. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying I want that with Nightmare on Elm Street, but I'll take it over this. But if you are a sequel, 
and a cheesy one. Yeah. You're going to have to give me more kills. Yeah. You're going to have to give me more of those scenes. The highlight of this film is Carlos's death scene. I need more of that. And if you're going to introduce all of these characters, I'm going to need some of them to die. You know, yeah. why have Spencer's dad there representing yuppie culture mm-hmm. if you're not going to kill him off? Yeah. Why does Doc exist? Yeah. He doesn't do anything at the end. Why? Well, why... I mean, I suppose he does. He's the reason the whole third act happens. Exactly. But he he should have been killed. I'm yeah. sorry. It should have been Maggie and Freddy one-on-one against each other. The original film actually doesn't have many death scenes either. No. But we get to know the characters. Because we're not inundated with too many characters in the first film, mm. we don't, you know, we care when people die. Yeah. Because we know them. Mm-hmm. We actually give a shit yeah. when these scenes happen. But you've introduced too many characters in this yeah. one. And so I don't, I, I really couldn't care less if Spencer lived or died. Imagine if we went on a killing spree in the, uh, Little Elm Street town fair. And killed like Roseanne Barr and the teacher and mm. all them. That would have been great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've seen him do it at a pool party. In, yeah. Uh, part absolutely. two. You know, just do that again. There's no reason for Doc and Tracy to survive. No spoiler. There's no reason for them to survive this film. No. He, he should have came through John mm. in the same way he did through Jesse. Then that way he would have brought it full circle... You know, that bit of law from part two would have came back and he should have gone on the killing spree in the remainder of Elm Street. Yeah. That would have been great. Yeah. Um, Freddy says, it's travelling time. And we get the weirdest bit of CGI. I can't... Like, Freddy puts his hand up and just transports himself into Maggie's mind. It's such a weird visual that I can't explain. It's like... The Power Rangers, like it's yeah. morphing time, <laughs> but instead of turning into the Power Rangers, they just go into someone's forehead. Yeah, they just go whoosh into someone's forehead. <laughs> Tracy and Maggie return to the shelter, but they find that no one remembers John, Spencer, or Carlos. Look at them, <laughs> except for Doc, who has learned to control his dreams. So Maggie goes back to her house, and she's like, "Mother, mother." <laughs> In a reference to uh, our Lord and Saviour, Nancy Thompson. And uh, she finds her adoption papers and realises that she's Freddie's daughter. <gasps> her birth name was Catherine Kruger, but her name was changed to Maggie Burroughs when her father was arrested and subsequently murdered. Oh, Catherine Kruger. Do you think uh, it's like the Kardashians from the whole case? <laughs> All alliterative. Um, I hope so. This confuses me, okay? Yeah. So it's suggested that um, Freddy... That they took Freddy... They took Catherine away from Freddy. Mm-hmm. So he took their kids away from them. But I thought she was taken away because he'd already killed all the kids. Yeah. So I don't get it. Which way around is it? Yeah. Like, and then you, you then you're getting into the territory where it's like the whole Freddy backstory. Yeah, is that he was murdered because he was a child abuser. Yeah, that's it. That's all it needed to be. Yeah, that's scary enough as it is that this guy's coming back in their dreams. 
because to get revenge on the parents for killing him. Yeah. For to stop him from abusing their kids. This whole throwing his daughter into the mix, and now that's the reason that they took her away from him because he's a child murderer, so he's murdering their children. Yeah. In revenge, even though they should be already dead. This anyway. Is, this is the and then in the flashback scene, it's someone throwing a is it a Molotov cocktail? Is it called when it's yeah. in the bottle? Through a window of some sort of cabin. Yeah. But he was killed in the boiler room. Yeah, in according... that big warehouse. Yeah, yeah, and that... So, it's... And, I, and this is the part of... This is the part of the film that annoys me as well, is that you have Rachel Tillerley... We have said it different. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we have said it differently every time. But we have this director um, who has worked on the films... Mm. Who has been a part of these films? If anyone should be able to turn around and say, "No, I don't think that's right." Yeah, it should be her. That's what I don't get, and I suppose because we're such big fans of an and of the Nightmare on Elm Street series that we notice these things mm. because we do love these films so much that we notice this. We notice that it's not in keeping yeah. with the law. Up to this point. Uh-huh. And again, you know, you might say, Chris, get a life, touch grass. But it does annoy me. No, this is annoying. And I tell you what, The Empire Strikes Back is one of the greatest films ever made, but it has a fucking lot to answer for. Mm. The obsession yeah. of franchises having twists mm. where someone's family member is, you know, a villain. Oh my God, it is an obsession. You know, Halloween, Jason goes to hell. It's like Hellraiser free. you know, come on. Like, it doesn't need to happen. It doesn't. It, it doesn't need to be a family member. And that's where this film goes so wrong. He didn't need Freddy's kid. He didn't need to have a kid. No. It's, this didn't need to happen. It's all about family. Well, she has a dream again that night, and this time it's revealed that Freddy is the adult in the garden with the little girl and his wife, Loretta, and and uh, she's discovered some things in the basement that she promises not to tell anyone about. The little girl goes to the basement and finds multiple gloves with knives for fingers and pictures of kids. So then it's revealed the girl in the dream is Maggie, and we get her as an adult in her child dress, mm. and it looks fucking stupid. It it looks silly, really, really silly. Yeah. And also, why has he got knives? Why has he got the glove before he becomes Freddy Krueger? Yeah. When we see him in the original, the very first thing we see in yeah. a Nightmare on Elm Street, the very first glimpse of Freddy Krueger that we ever get is him creating this glove. It's so annoying. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> The little girl in, um, yeah, so she's revealed to be Maggie, and Freddy reveals to her that she's his daughter, Catherine. And that's why he killed the kids of Elm Street to get revenge on their parents, taking her away from him. No. 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 Yeah. Freddy reveals he wants to start all over again, and will go after the teens at the shelter. And she's like, but this isn't Springwood. And then he's like, every town has an Elm Street. And an Elm Street sign literally pops up outside of the shelter. 
I think that's really cool. I yeah. think the idea that every town has an Elm Street and that he's linked to the Elm Street is really cool. Yeah. I, I find that very interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, he never lived on the fucking street. Um, but I find that interesting. And it's a really cool line, really cool visual. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's all right. Tracy <laughs> is asleep and dreams of her abusive father coming home. He attempts to molest her, but when she bashes his face in with a kettle and starts shouting about how her dad is dead. And again, tonal whiplash. Mm. You know, how can you go from the cartoony Looney Tunes sound effects to this? Yeah. And, you know, her dad gets up and his face is all mashed up. And then he transforms into Freddy and he's like, what's with kids today? Ah, no respect. And it's like, obviously we know Freddy's the comedian by this point, but after a scene where her dad tries to molest her, really? It feels cheap. Yeah. It feels like a real cheap plot point. And it shouldn't be. And I, I understand times change. We are over 30 years removed from this. But it... it doesn't feel nice to, no. to watch. It doesn't feel good, which is what a horror film is meant to be yeah. to a certain degree. But when you have it paired with all the now I'm playing with power yeah. stuff, it's weird and jarring. Yeah, she starts beating him up and he's like, Kung Fu this bitch. Um, and starts fighting back. She burns her arms on a stove to wake herself up. And when she does, her burn marks are still there. Freddy confronts Doc in the gym. Freddy does a cartwheel. And uh, Doc beats him up with a baseball bat. Freddy gets back up and he gives a great speech where he uh, says, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but nothing will ever kill me. Well, let's see now. First, they tried burning me. And then between each one, he cuts off a finger and we get the green blood shooting up like the original. Yeah. Gonna be the final film in the franchise, reference the original. That's mm-hmm. great. Then they tried burying me and have a finger, and there's like this is my favourite, and it's his middle finger, of course. He says, They even tried holy water, but they but I just keep on ticking. And then he says it's because the dream people promise him, um, the people who gave him this job promise him that he can keep coming back. What's the job? Killing people. <laughs> but for his revenge. Yeah. I don't get it. If he had sold his soul, you know, the, the devil and Daniel Webster style, that would have made sense. Well, Doc survives this. Um, his alarm wakes him up and yeah. uh, he tells Maggie and Tracy that Freddy's power comes from the ancient dream demons who continually <laughs> revive him and that Freddy can be killed if he's pulled into the real world. Maggie decides that she will be the one to enter Freddy's mind and pull him into the real world. In a bizarre series of events, Doc's like, if you want to, uh, if you really want to see what's going on or whatever, you, you're going to need this. He gives her a pair of 3D glasses. The cardboard red and blue version. Yeah. Yeah. This is the point where it feels like too much of a cheap gimmick. Mm-hmm. And it feels like this film was only made for this 20 minutes of film. Mm -hmm. And it feels like a Universal Studios ride. Yeah. 
like one of the cutscenes on the Universal uh-huh. Studios ride was like, oh, well, if you want to do this, you need to put on your 3D glasses. This being in a film that you can only watch now in 2D really is the tip of the iceberg for this film. I think it's a shame that we can't watch it in 3D anymore. Yeah. Because it's, it, it is going to look hokey. It is going to be silly. It's going to be stupid. And I think it's a real shame. We watched uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 recently. And we agreed that if it wasn't in 3D, it'd be a much worse film. Yeah. And the 3D parts are the fun parts. So I think it is a shame that we're not able to watch this in 3D. I don't know why. I just can't be asked. Yeah. Can't be bothered. Yeah. Zoom in. But I think even in 3D. No, I think even with the 3D, It'd be... this plot point that she yeah. has to put on 3D glasses yeah. for this to happen, it doesn't make any kind of sense no. at all. In a franchise where it's fantasy... Even then, this is so stupid. It's never explained why these 3D glasses give it his power. Yeah. Like, in the or other why he films, has a pair. Yeah, in the other films, people just go to sleep and that's it. They can get Freddy. But that's the dream world. So what yeah. she's doing is going into Freddy's mind. Yeah. And all along, all they needed to do that was a pair of 3D glasses. Wonderful. Um, when shown theatrically, audience members were given one pair of 3D cardboard glasses... And uh, taglines were printed on it. And the inside had uh, standard... Uh, they had adhesives um, for attaching to standard glasses. Okay. And an advertisement on the outside of one arm was for House Party 2. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the audience are trying to target this film. Comedy audience. Um, oh, yeah, of course. yeah, maybe, yeah, House Party 2. So, yeah, she enters Freddy's mind, literally. Uh, and in his mind, she learns that Freddy was teased as a child, abused by his foster father, Alice Cooper. Oh, okay, yeah. What? I've just realised that this whole um, abusive Alice Cooper foster father thing is going to be in 3D. Yeah. It's meant to be in 3D. Yeah. Oh, look at his kid being oh, abused by his father in 3D. Woohoo! Um, yeah, Alice Cooper said that he gets asked to be in films all the time uh, with his makeup persona. Uh, but he agreed to be in this film, not only because he's a fan of the series, but uh, so that he could play uh, a character without his makeup. And yeah, there we go. He has like three lines. Yeah. Barely in the film. You can tell he really takes it seriously. It is. I quite liked his. Uh... Little cameo in uh, Prince of Darkness, though. John Carpenter film. I prefer his uh, sex tech cameo. Oh, um, God, yeah. Yeah, so Freddy also inflicted self-abuse as a teenager, which we'll get to see in 3D, and mm. uh, murdered his wife when she discovered his murderous tendencies. Oh, yeah. So this is 3D. 3D. Yeah. So when he's being teased at school... The kids sort of surround... He does something weird with the rats, doesn't he? He kills it. He kills the rat. And then... Which is weird. The kids aren't horrified. They're not horrified. They just sort of gather around him and start chanting, Son of a hundred maniacs! Son of a hundred... Which is stupid. It is. Um, 
Yeah, Freddy was given the power to become immortal by the fiery dream demons whilst he was being burnt alive. Maggie struggles to pull Freddy into the real world, but eventually succeeds. Freddy's not in the room with them, but Maggie knows he's there because she's still seeing everything in 3D. And the acting from this point onwards, it's been bad as it is already, but now it's so fucking awkward. Yeah. They go to the basement with the shelter where for some reason there are various weapons that were confiscated and uh, the police were supposed to pick them up. (laughs) These weapons look like they're from medieval times. They do. What century were these kids from? What I swear, the fuck? I swear there's like a mason there, isn't there? There is. Yeah. There is. Tracy picks up this old-fashioned knife, waves it at the screen, she's like, whoa, uh, check out this knife. <laughs> what do you mean, check out this knife? It's just a fucking knife. What are you doing? The thing is with Tracy, and I don't think we've explained it enough, Tracy as a character, and we understand that she has... PTSD. Yeah. A lot of trauma there. And I I do, like we've said, we wish it was handled better. Because she just comes across as a really horrible character. Yeah. And she's just really shouty and rude and aggressive constantly. Mm. And she has these moments like, you ain't getting none, Carlos. And like, whoa, check out this knife. Which is essentially... <laughs> how we sound when we're trying to make fun of the American accent. <laughs> Whoa, check out this knife. <laughs> but also, she, she, yeah, and, and that's the thing. She's like, check out this knife. And they all go down there to grab weapons to attack Freddy with. But then Doc's like, uh, I don't think so. Put that back now, young lady. So hang on a minute. But what if Freddy attacks her? She'd allow weapons like everyone yeah. else? What the fuck? Like, what's she going to put it back? And props to it. Tracy has done nothing but kick ass for the whole film. She's definitely seen as a capable, strong woman. Yeah. And for him to turn around and say, no, I don't think so. It's like, she's more capable than you, yeah. Doc. Yeah. And it, again, you know, this whole thing's like, it feels like it's part of a kid's film. And this point, Maggie, Lisa Zane, She's full Ramona on the room. She is. Like, her eyes are popping. There's no emotion there whatsoever. It's, yeah. She finds Freddy out of drag in the cellar, and uh, he tries giving her his sob story, like he's on the X Factor, before he tries attacking her, but she knocks his glove off and grabs it herself. (gasps) Freddy starts crawling around the ceiling and gets into quick drag. Another issue I have, because... Freddy's out of the world. He's powerless. Yeah. So how can he transform uh-huh. from Freddy out of drag to Freddy in quick drag? Yeah. How can he crawl on the ceiling? Mm-hmm. What is that about? He's not in the dream world. He hasn't got his powers anymore. No. You can kill him. Yeah. Yeah. It's simple law. Yeah. But it's law that they've created. Yeah. That's the annoying part. It's law that they have created. And then gone back against straight away. Yeah. And I'm surprised. I am very, very surprised that this film did not have four or five writers. Yeah. Because we can smell it a mile off. We've done it so many times on the podcast when we talk about who's made the film. And Gary reels off four different writers. And I'm like, I can smell a confused mess coming up. And what I don't understand about this is... That 
there was only what two writers. Yeah, yeah, and and also a gap between this and five as well. They took a break mm. to make this film. Yeah, this took longer to make. Yeah, you know it's ridiculous. Freddie says, "I didn't need a glove to kill your bitch of a mother, and I don't need one now." They end up in a hand-to-hand combat against each other. Um, Lisa Sane's given us nothing. And uh, she's like, oh, daddy. She grabs his hand. She's like, oh, daddy. I remember when we used to hold hands when I was a kid. I didn't like it then either. And she breaks his fingers. And she then pins him to the wall with various weapons. How does she remember that? I know, yeah. I thought she didn't realise she was adopted. (laughs) She didn't, no. But she remembers it now, apparently. Um, but we're getting a shot of her just throwing random weapons out of nowhere. Oh my god. Since when has Maggie, the psychiatrist, been so good at throwing knives and shurikens? <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> Why do they have that? <laughs> Enraged by the knowledge of what he's done, Maggie puts on the glove. And stabs him through the stomach with it. Embedding the glove's claws into a steel support beam. And uh, leaving Freddy suspended above the ground. Tracy tosses Maggie a pipe bomb. Which she shoves shoves into Freddy's (laughs) chest. And she says to him, Happy Father's Day. It's not Father's Day. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, because, because that's her dad's. Yeah. Oh, Thank happy you. Father's Day. Yeah. Oh, I get And then Freddy's like, kids. Uh, the free he explodes. Uh, the free dream demons escape and fly away because they can't revive him in the real world. Yeah. And Tracy, Doc, and Maggie, they have a laugh about it. Forgetting, like, you know, the people that were murdered earlier on. Um, I know. She takes off the 3D glasses. She folds her arms. She's still having a giggle. She's like, <laughs> Freddy's dead. That's it. That's the end. That was supposedly the end of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. We're given a montage of all the best bits from the previous five films. And some bits from this film as well. Whilst the Razzie nominated Why Was I Born? Freddy's Dead by Iggy Pop plays... And um, when I was watching all these clips from all the other films, I just wish I was watching those instead exactly. of this one. Um, everything Remains the Same by Junk Monkeys plays after that. And we're giving one final RIP for Freddy. When she says Freddy's dead. Yeah. She didn't even know who Freddy was. Until no. like, what, two days before? Yeah. <laughs> the producers actually planned a spin-off film. In which uh, Freddy Krueger's spirit possesses the body of Lisa Zane. And she continues her father's murderous killing spree. Thankfully, this never happened. And that's the end of that character. And that's Freddy's dead, the final nightmare. Freddy's dead, the final nightmare. I'm I'm struggling. I have a struggle here. Here? Yeah. Because there's part of me... That really fucking detests this film. <laughs> and it's justifiable. Yeah. But then there's the other part of me who loves cheesy shit. Yeah. And had an all right time with yeah. it. And those two parts of me are in conflict right now. 
Yeah, yeah. I'd never skip it. I would. I, I would never skip it because I love the franchise so much. Yeah. And I love Robert England, and I love his performance as Freddy Krueger. And there are moments in the film that I like. Mm-hmm. That if I did a highlight reel of all my favorite moments from the franchise, mm. I would include a couple of moments from this. Yeah. Carlos's death scene, and um. No, struggle's real. Oh, no, just Carlos's death scene. <laughs> there we go. I would include one scene from this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. So, I'll put it like this. Uh, when, apologies when, for when you're thinking. just watching it uh, on its own, as its own thing, as part of a franchise rewatch and whatnot, it's uh, an entertaining bit of trash to laugh at. When you're watching it for a podcast, it's infuriating. Yeah, watch with friends. I think. Yeah, watch with friends is my recommendation for this show. <laughs> but it is, yeah. Whoa! Check out these awards. <laughs> Biggest queen. I've had to go with Tracy. I'm sorry. I can't give it to Maggie. No, I, I can't. No, so I think annoying. Tracy. I like Tracy. I went with um, the skip to my Lou lady. <laughs> <laughs> she was kind camp. She's. Do you know what? Oh she my was. god! Do you know what she was given? What the prancer-sized woman? Yeah. Oh my she god! Was. That's why I was standing hard. The prancer-sized woman, love her. The biggest gasp I give it to Carlos's death. The entire thing. I give it to those dumb-looking dream demons. <laughs> Best dialogue I have. Nice hearing from you, Carlos. Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> two for Carlos. You ain't getting none, Carlos. You ain't getting none. <laughs> And that's camp. I give it to Lisa saying, lifelessly moving things towards the camera for 3D effect. <laughs> I went with uh, Freddy as the Wicked Witch. Ratings, I give it two confiscated medieval weapons taken from the cellar of a shouter for troubled youth out of ten. <laughs> Without a risk assessment. Without a risk yeah. assessment. I went with two, two, skip to my loo out of ten. <laughs> Uh, masterpiece, trash to be trash, basic or a camp or a bunch of fun. It's trash. Ooh, it's trash. It's trash. If you ask me when I'm not analysing it for the podcast, I'd say trash to piece. But analysing it and realising just how bad it is, trash. Yeah. Yeah, one, once, if I'm sat on some grass and watching it, I think I'd give it trash to piece. But it is trash. It's available on DVD, Blu-ray and video on demand. And if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Friday the 13th Part 3 and 3D for a better 3D time. Um, if you enjoyed this, I, re- I recommend checking out the Leprechaun series of films. Yeah, it's it's very well. campy, cheesy, one-liners. So, we are Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm Dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and GazCruz92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. And we're also GazPoraFest across social media as well. Big thank you to anyone who came along to our Ghostwatch screening. Oh, yes. And, uh, sold out screening. Sold out. And it was amazing. Very pleased. So if you listen to this and you came along, thank you very much. Give us a rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, like and follow on everything else. We're back on Friday this week with our Halloween special, Original versus Remake, where we'll be discussing both versions of Night of the Demons. Oh, very excited for that. And next week, we are finishing five weeks at Freddy's with our episode on Halloween itself, 
the 31st of October, Ooh. where we will be discussing the franchise high that is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yes, love, love, love that film. A film that more than made up for this. We'll be back same time, same place on Friday. Bye.